And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonableist Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Uh, not joining me is Eric Crean because, well, he's off and also doesn't have a ton of time for uh, the NBA draft. That's that's my province. It's the province of our guest today, Robel. Robel, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, man, thanks for coming on. It's been wanting to do this since uh, since we got you up and running at Raptors Republic. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen Robel's work, uh, he runs a YouTube channel called Sub Me In Coach, which has some great video breakdowns and is focused primarily on draft candidates of late. Uh, he's also done some draft profiles through a Raptors lens at Raptors Republic, and then you can check him out on Twitter at Robeltussin, which is an excellent handle. Uh, lots of thoughts on the Raptors and on draft prospects there. Uh, how have uh, how's the last little bit been for you as you kind of ramp up for the draft? Are you doing are you doing more and more stuff, or are you kind of like your work's done now and you just want to get next Wednesday here? already so i'm just so like tired of it i'm just so <laughs> exhausted like i'm i'm doing one more halliburton video and then uh a q a for the draft and then like one more draft steals video and then i'm just done like i'm just moving out to 21 2021 finally and that just sounds way more exciting because you know uh i don't th- i think everyone knows by now that that draft has like loaded with talent so i just can't wait until i'm done yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be nice, and then at some point we'll have college basketball, and you can actually watch it and uh, you know break it down from there. Where it's it feels like so like we can't. One of the there was a thing recently where like I guess some of the conferences don't like you using other video clips and stuff. So like can only do on our end, we can only do that stuff for guys from certain conferences, uh, and it's just like. I don't know, man. It's uh, we've done enough of this stuff now. I'm ready to go too. Like, obviously, your whole gig is focusing on the draft, and I, I just kind of have swooped in and, and leaned on people like you to kind of catch up at the end of the NBA season. But this is because of the the pandemic and the long hiatus and everything. Like, it's uh, you know, this is probably the most ready I've felt for a draft since the year that the the Raptors had nine and 27 and worked out like 70 people at OVO athletic center. And I was there like every day. Um, so yeah, man, I am ready to go. I guess, I guess at this point, like the rankings you have in your head, uh, or who you like better, like none of that's going to change this late in the process for you. Right. Yeah. It's not like, I just, you know, when, when there's so much time, uh, to just think about, um, you know, like NBA draft prospects, you tend to kind of like overthink stuff. And I'm trying to like stay away from that, so I'm just like comfortable with what I'm thinking. That's great, and we're gonna we're gonna pick your brain on what you're thinking as it pertains to the Raptors. Uh, before we get into Raptor stuff in the 2020 draft, I was curious, Robel, how did you how did you kind of get into doing this and doing your video breakdowns on YouTube uh, initially, and where are you at with it right now? I know you're still in school, but um, you know, what's, what's kind of the game plan for you and where, where do your, how did your passions lead you to doing draft breakdowns? So, 
I was um I'm I'm currently in a sports management program, but I just felt like uh just getting like it's a it's a, I'm in college, so it's not like I'm getting a degree. So I just felt like I had to like stand out in other ways. And I was like, how do I do that? And I just always been watching YouTube as a kid because I didn't grow up with like cable. Like, so it's like when when you don't have that, you just lean on YouTube. Like that's basically your TV. So I just always just like the idea of making YouTube videos. And I was just like, why not do that with basketball? And there was like a, a clear space for it. It was a lot of YouTubers that was making NBA videos and getting like a lot of views. So I was like, okay, I can, I don't see why I can't do this. And then that's how it started. Man, uh, we had, I'm going to make myself sound really old here, but it is hilarious to hear that you watch YouTube because you didn't have cable, whereas I watched TV because I didn't have the internet until like grade eight. Uh, not because the internet didn't exist. We just, my family just didn't buy the internet until I was in grade eight or nine. Uh, so <laughs> we, we had to flip those things. Um, and then you, you also, I know you don't play in college, but you're, you, you fancy yourself up like, like you could beat most of the Raptors beat writers on the court, right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, prob- probably. I don't know. I, th- I like, I think I'm pretty good. I don't know. Like, you know, you never know how, like, you know, what if like one Raptors Republic guy is like six, five and like, you know, just like really good. You never know. So I don't like to brag, but I, I like playing basketball a lot. So it's like, uh, I feel like I have, a better insight than some others who might like not really have like you know done the same moves and really feel like have a good feel for what's really happening when you're in between those lines so Mm -hmm. yeah it makes sense to me man um so in terms of your process like when you approach when you're trying to figure out who you're going to do a video on or, um, you know, who what, who you're going to break down for Raptors Republic or whatever, what is your, how do you go about that? What is your process like? Do you have, like, do you have a board in your head from, or, or on paper somewhere from, like, watching college throughout the season and you're like, okay, I want to, you know, this guy's the most interesting to me, this guy's the most interesting to me, or is it kind of, like, who you think will get the most clicks or, or who you think that is, you know, the best fit with the teams you like? How do you, how do you choose who to break down? For my YouTube channel or for like the Raptors? Either or, man. So for my YouTube channel, I usually pick guys who I like just like to watch. Like during the hiatus, I just made a Kevin Porter Jr. video just because I, I like he's one of my favorite players. So that was like literally the only reason I did it. Um, and he's not like a super popular guy. So it's like not like I expected it to do it for views. So yeah, I mean, because you're watching a lot of film, right? So you want to kind of enjoy yourself uh, watching film. So that's why you kind of pick the players that you like. But for like draft prospects, it's kind of, yeah, you kind of, you're just kind of watching games. And like, obviously you hear uh, guys' names, you look at the the high school rankings and you, you obviously know of guys even coming before high school. And then it's also word of mouth. Like, you know, we're not all, not everyone's watching everything, right? Like, right. so when uh, I think, uh, I think Zach Milliner talks about, Grant Rilla is really good. I'm like, I don't watch Charleston. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> find out about Grant Rilla if it wasn't, you know, for him. So if he says, yo, Grant Rilla is like really good. He's a very good finisher. Then I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll watch him and then see like what my opinion is. So it's kind of that. And then just, yeah, it's like you're watching by yourself and then you, you, you just hear like names float around and then, you know, give them a try. 
Yeah, one of the one of the good things about Twitter is draft Twitter. I mean, all the time is excellent, but especially this time of year, super valuable to catch guys who uh, you know you might have a blind spot for uh, otherwise. Um, in terms of when you're when you're scouting a guy and you're obviously you know you're thinking about things like upside and fit and floor and stuff like that. When you shift from hey, I'm gonna do okay. So say you're say you're looking. We'll use the Riller example. So say you're looking at Grant Riller and you want to do a video on Grant Riller um, on your YouTube channel that is going to be targeted at like the whole NBA, like any NBA fan that might be interested in Grant Riller. But then you write a profile of Grant Riller for Raptors Republic. How does what you're doing change when you kind of put a Raptors hat on and come at it from the Raptors perspective? Because like, obviously there are team specific fits and the Raptors have certain types of guys that they like. Uh, so do you, do you come at it a little differently and you're like, okay, now I'm not a general scout. Now I'm a Raptors scout. Uh, how much does that change for you? Um, it changes a lot. Like uh, I, what I usually do is like, I'm naturally always trying to solve problems, right? right. Like as quick as possible. So I look at it from like a problem solving perspective, like what did the Raptors lack and what can this prospect provide that would fill that gap? And then also at the same time, does that prospect have enough upside? Because when you have one of the best development staffs, you know, you don't always want to bring in these undrafted guys to become good, like good rotation players. You want a guy that gets drafted in the late first round and becomes an all-star, you know? Right. So you can't like, like, you know, you know, like the Matt Thomas, like TD, uh, don't want to say anything good about him right now, but just using him as an example, like those guys are like fine, but they're not all stars or like, you know, they're not, just not like high end starting starter players. So it's like you want to look for guys that have that upside and then the risk of them failing is like way less for the Raptors than let's say for like, uh, a poorly run organization right so it's like well when you know that and when you have those like when you have that um advantage you want to swing for those guys so that's what i look look for as well you mentioned uh you know you don't always want to rely on undrafted guys to become rotation players you want to turn first round picks even if they're late firsts into all-stars have you found that and obviously we we can't account for everyone in a conversation like this, but ha- have you found that there are some Raptors fans who have started to go too far with devaluing draft picks because they have had success with guys like Fred and Davis? Um, and, and we kind of, you know, like the Raptors had the number 29 pick in 2020. That's not a super attractive pick, but they got Siakam at 27 and OG at 23, and those are their two highest upside guys. Uh, do you think people lost the thread there a little bit too much and are devaluing some of the some of the first-round pick, you know, throw a first in a trade or the 29 pick's not all that important kind of stuff? Yeah, it's very lazy. And just <laughs> um, they always hold on to that one thing. We then, our whole starting lineup was without lottery picks. Like we won a championship without lottery picks, and I'm like, all right, how many teams really just do that? Like honestly, yeah, and one, yeah, one ever, <laughs> yeah. And how, like, what did it take? It took Kawhi to come here for that to happen, and he obviously was like picked in the top 15, but he yeah, had he was one, just <laughs> outside the lottery. Yeah, he was 15th <laughs> and still had one of the greatest like development curves ever. So it's not like that ha- that just happens every year. So it's just it's just very annoying to me. I just think like people brushing it off just because of the uncertainty in the draft 
but there's uncertainty in free agency and other stuff too. So it's like, that's why I say it's just pretty lazy. And then there's another like side of it because they just think, yeah, the Raptors are so good developing that anyone could become an all-star. Like I remember someone was like, uh, when the Raptors like very early on interviewed um, Zeke Nagy and people were saying, oh, Zeke Nagy is going to be an all-star. I'm like, guys, relax. Like, you know, not, not everyone just turns into um, just because you have a Raptors jersey on doesn't mean you're uh, what's it called? You're going to be in make an all NBA team. So it's like both sides are just a little bit too erratic and we just need to come to middle ground. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Zeke Naji as an example um, in our recent. So this week, John Hollinger, one of our national NBA writers, uh, did his first round mock draft. Um, he's done a bunch of draft stuff leading up to this, and, and, along with Sam Vecini, who will have a, a full 60 pick mock draft out, I believe, uh, this coming Monday um, in Hollinger's mock draft at number 29. The Raptors did select. Zeke Naji, and there are some things to like there with him. Uh, you know, the shot seems to be coming along, which was pretty predictable when you looked at the form. Um, there's some, there's some real potential there. Uh, you know, a couple of the names that were left on the board by Hollinger at that point, I maybe like a little bit more, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate the Naji pick. Um, how do you feel about him and his fit with the Raptors? We'll start there since Hollinger uh, mocked him to Toronto. Um, I didn't see who was after him, so it that that obviously depends on how mm-hmm. I feel about the pick. But I mean, like you know, like you said, you wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it either. I would like you know uh, look at it more positively because he is someone that could shoot the ball, and I just always thought he could uh, do it. His like mechanical flaws were flaws were uh, fixable to me. So like he 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 takes way too long to like release the shot. So but it's so nice to like, if you just release it a little bit earlier, it would go, go in more and you'd have more um, like arc and like just range and just uh, that, like, you know, that's, so, it was so easy to see him shoot, being able to become a three point shooter. Like day one, I already saw right. it because you have to look at, he took like long twos, like as a pick and pop guy, he took long twos. So it's not much to take a step back and hit those threes. That, that was right. my thing. And then he's like, for someone that's like 6'10", 6'11", he moves really well. So it's like, that's really nice to see. Like he runs the floor hard, could get some easy transition buckets there. Um, has good touch in the paint too. Um, he, what's, how do I say? It? Oh yeah, he's good laterally as well. But it's just some, he has a lot of awareness issues on defense, mm-hmm. which I think the Raptors could fix, but it's not someone, he's not someone that's like NBA ready right away. Like he won't be able to, be a good defender in a playoff series so it's like when gotcha. yeah so when you when you hear about that you're just like okay like you know he's a, he's fast he's mobile like he can shoot why don't we why don't people like him more and then like you know even i think about that sometimes and then i go watch the film I'm just like seeing him contest shots at the rim is like kind of it kind of hurts to see because he is a little bit soft like i don't like uh i don't think it's an insult i'm just saying that's like his like just his character it's just not someone that is gonna uh he gets finished over way too much and just needs to like it's like just go you know like go really he needs to be like way more physical to me and that's just like that bothers me because i think he could be a way more he could be a way better rim protector than he actually showed and i think that mentality is very hard to fix so 
Yeah, I, I mean, the Raptors have had a lot of success bringing guys along offensively. Um, you know, they tend to lean toward more defensive-oriented prospects, so we haven't really seen them take a guy like that and try to bring his defense up at quite the same level as they have with guys' offense. Uh, you mentioned you didn't know who else was on the board with that pick. So right before that pick, uh, the five guys who went before uh, the Raptors pick were Desmond Bain, Jaden McDaniels, Leandro Bolmaro, uh, Malachi Flynn, and Isaiah Stewart. So that means that the so the next five guys uh, on like the average big board that I have in front of me uh, were Xavier Tillman, Nico Mannion, Devin Dotson, Trey Jones, and Grant Riller. Uh, I know you like at least two of those guys uh, a lot. Let's talk about Tillman first because I do think you know if the Raptors decided that they wanted to go the big route at 29, Tillman or Najee is likely the the decision they they have to make there. Like maybe maybe Precious Achua drops. I, I don't think he gets down to 29. It, it looks like it could be uh, a Najee or Tillman situation. I really like Tillman. I know you wrote about him for Raptors Republic. Uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know the deal with Tillman, uh, what does he bring to the table, and do you like him better than Zeke? Um, I'm not, I'm, I think I like Najee better, just slightly better. Um, just, he was, Tillman was the first prospect that I really liked for the Raptors. Like, as soon as I saw a clip on Twitter, I was just like, oh, I have to watch this guy because this <laughs> is just perfect Raptors play. Like, he did, he, he, he threw like a skip pass from the post when he got like, right when he got doubled. So I was just like, oh, yeah. Passing bigs, I need, you know, like, I have to know about this guy. So, um, He's six nine, I think. A uh, big guy, like two hundred, uh, probably two hundred seventy, big, like two hundred sixty-five, probably. Um, from Michigan State, him and Cassius Winston were like an amazing duo, and yeah, his his passing ability is amazing. He can pass on the post. He's a very good short roll passer. His overall decision making, I feels um, astronomical for a big man, and kind of unheard of so i love that and on the defensive end he's a very good rim protector um not not the biggest leaper but he's very good positionally like he's just a i don't like to say smart and high iq player but i, I like to say feel instead so he's just a very mm-hmm. high field player on both ends and doesn't make mistakes like ever so um the only thing that i worry about is uh just just overall his scoring ability like I feel like the shot is a swing skill, and there's not uh, crazy indicators that there's not one indicator that I can go off of and say he's gonna be a good shooter. For Najee, it was easy. Like he can shoot. Like he was shooting like pick and pops. Like it, it's it's just easy as that. And his free throw percentage mm-hmm. wasn't bad. So, um, like his touch is his touch is good, but that's like I mean Tillman's touch is good, but that's the only thing I can go off of. His free throw percentage isn't high. Um, he was reluctant to shoot threes. His form isn't bad, uh, bad though, but it's just the reluctance of shooting them. I just don't think I could project him as a good shooter. But the only way he could be one is uh, you just look at his work ethic and you just hope that he know. He, everyone knows that Tillman has to shoot threes, and even he knows that. So he has this eight months to work on that. So you hope that he. Uh, becomes a good shooter. And I know I saw the draft combine video, but I'm not going to scout just off that. But <laughs> Otherwise, Jordan Nora would be going in the first in the, the lottery if yeah. you're going just off that. Yeah, but, you know, at least at least he knows that he has to shoot threes and that he will take them. So it's like, it's nice to see that. But um, overall, like, not a super athletic guy, but just a very smart player. Like, 
uh, I would say like kind of gives you the same, kind of the same play style as Marcus all, but obviously Mark mm-hmm. is like seven foot. But I think Tillman is more mobile. I do think he has to lose some weight because he is not super mobile as like as you'd like. So that would like expand his pick and roll coverage uh, ability on defense. So and like just make him overall faster and continue to work on the floater so he can have more avenues to score. Because you know, like I said, he's not as vertically explosive as you'd like. And then yeah, he'd be a very good player. I see him as a pop. The shot has to be there for him to become a starter, but I still see him as a very high end like rotation player on any playoff team. That's great. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of his game for sure. Um, this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Obviously, you know, we started here talking about two bigs and Hollinger mocked one to the Raptors because Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol, Chris Boucher, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson are all free agents this offseason. Uh, there's very likely to be a need at center, even if they retain one of those guys. Uh, are there any other centers that stick or, or you know, combo bigs, however you want to phrase it, that stick out to you as potentially available at 29 and a good fit for the Raptors? Or are those two, you know, like like maybe Jalen Smith or Precious Achua slide, but it doesn't look like that from the current mocks. And Killy and Tilly maybe feels like a reach at that point. It, are, is there another big that, that you'd like for the Raptors at 29? I, I will say about Killy and Tilly is like if the health report is uh, like, if it looks good, then I'll take him at 29. I would take him over Najee and Tillman if you think he can play on the court. But his injury issues are so bad. Like, it's even before Gonzaga, he had injury issues. So, it's like, that's why I don't talk about him a lot as a Raptors prospect. Because mm-hmm. it's just it's just too much, man. Like, if you're a gang, he was, I think he played three or four years at Gonzaga. And he was having issues before that. That's like six years of, like, constant injury so it's like something i just can't uh excite people about because he's he is a very good prospect right but it's just yeah the injuries it's just bad like i don't know if it can be on the court so um but combo bigs i mean a lot of people like tyler bay but i feel like it's the same with um tillman's like i don't know how he scores like he's a six seven center that's gonna Mm -hmm. roll to the rim like even though he's athletic, he's still six seven. Like six seven, like six nine. I can like you know, I can work with, but six seven gets kind of shaky at that point. And then his defense, like his defensive playmaking, is good to me. But he's not like a super. He doesn't always make great rotations too. So it's not like an elite defender that just needs to work on them. Um, you know, like uh, it's not like Najee where he just has like he has to learn. Like he has to be coached. Ty Bay just mm-hmm. makes bad decisions. Like he just makes the wrong decisions. 
And then um, the shooting, yeah, people saw, oh, 40% from three. Like, you know, he's a good shooter. But he only took, like, one attempt per game. So he's not a shooter. So I think that's even more of a swing skill for him to be an actual NBA player because, you know, he is very undersized. And I don't know. Like, he, he played – like, the only way he scored is in the post, and it's not going to translate to the NBA. So he has to right. be a good shooter. Cool. Uh, so let's swing it over to guard. Uh, the Raptors could also have a need at guard. Fred Van Vliet is a free agent. Kyle Lowry is 35 years old and has one year left on his deal. And the Raptors played all of last season with just two point guards on the roster, which they probably won't want to do again, no matter what happens with Van Vliet. Um, they also play a ton of two point guard lineups, so you could use a third point guard in the rotation potentially. Uh, I mentioned two guys who were uh, on. The, actually, I mentioned a couple guys who were on the board when Hollinger. Uh, made that pick, and they were uh, Nico Mannion, Devin Dotson, Trey Jones, and Grant Riller, and then Malachi Flynn had gone off the board just before that. Uh, I know you're a bit of a Riller guy, but how would you rank that group of guys? Do you like Flynn better than Riller? Do you like one of the other names better than Riller? Or is Riller uh, a pretty natural fit if he's there at 29? Um, As prospects, Malachi and Flynn are pretty close, but it just depends from like what what the team needs and for Raptors mm-hmm. specifically I would have him easily over uh Malachi Flynn it's just uh but I mean we'll talk about really more in depth but who was the other guys you said Dotson and Nico and Trey Jones uh Dotson Nico and Trey Jones yeah yeah I mean I, I feel like it's Grand in one tier and then I'd have Malachi in the second and then all those three in the like third okay. tier that's how I look at them and so they're all like yeah, I guess, but it's not like some I'll be excited about. It's like, you know, it's a, it's an okay pick to me for all three of those guys. Um, but we could talk about Grant really. Like, I think yeah, let's do it. Everyone knows I'm a, yeah. that I want him on the Raptors for such a long time. <laughs> uh, I even got, like, aggregated, like, on a post saying, like, talking about him. So that was crazy. Um, Wasn't that, was that the first one you did with me at Raptors Republic yeah. or was that Tillman? I can't remember. No, that was, a, no, the really was the second one. Okay. So yeah, um, that like, yeah. So I think everyone just knows that I'm really high on him. I just think he fixes a lot of problems on the Raptors. Like it was clear as day to see, even before the playoffs, that they had a half court issue that they just needed someone to be a very good self creator, and that people thought Norm could be that, but you never know what you're really getting from Norm on a day to day basis. So I just thought. I think I need a more level-headed guard that can just blow by everybody and uh, <laughs> shoot crazy step backs. And I just love his game. I'm like, a lot of people hate people that are from back Twitter, but I kind of have that mindset sometimes just watching, like as a fan of the game, I just like those guys. So I just naturally gravitate towards that. And I just don't think we have a lot of those guys that could just really get their own shot against mm-hmm. like um, guys that are like more lengthier. And just Grant, Grant Rilla, people say, like, yeah, he was he was playing in a bad conference. But, I mean, you never know if it, like, you're never 100% sure if something could translate a lot or not. But I'm going to just say I'm pretty sure, like, his first step and, like, his finishing craft and ability is going to translate. Like, he shot, like, 70% at the rim. Yeah, like a historically good rate yeah. at the rim for a guard, and um, and and he's got a little size to him too at six three, right? He's not yeah. a if he were five eleven or six foot, you know, if he were Cassius Winston's size, maybe you have more yeah more hesitation about it. But like he's he's got the body for it, 
Um, I think now, now I guess the questions are, do you think he can hold up well enough defensively that he could play real minutes in a playoff series? Because the Raptors desperately needed got someone who could put pressure on the rim during the playoffs. Um, but obviously we know from, from the Davis experience and from Powell the year prior that Nick Nurse wants a certain defensive floor out of anyone he's going to play in the playoffs. Yeah. The, um, a lot of people gave me, uh, like the criticism was that okay, well, Nurse is not gonna play him because he's a bad bad defender, but he's bad in like the way that he doesn't try. So like he had such a huge scoring load that he was like he can't do all of that and then expect to be locking down his man. It's just humanly not possible. So, right. um, but when he does lock in, sometimes he makes good reads. He he's a he's pretty good off the ball. Um, Kind of similarly to Lamelo, when like when they're locked in, they're very good um, team defenders, and I feel like TD and Norm just are the opposite of that. So <laughs> that's why they don't play together because the defense, the the Raptors' defensive scheme is hard to 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 what's it called? Um, execute. Yeah, execute. That's a word. Um, so it's like if you can't do that, that's why they just didn't get minutes. And I feel like he could uh, on the ball, he can exist in front of guards. I think he just, I think he'll just be passable to me. Don't think he'll be like even like a plus, but I don't think he hurts you that bad. It's not like Lou Williams. When people think bad defender, they think like Lou Williams, Trey Young can get ISOed every time, just get scored on. It's not like that at all. It's just like not crazy effort at times, which is like some people don't even see on the court. So. Yeah, and if your usage rate goes down from like thirty five percent to like twenty two percent, you got a little more juice to to yeah. dig in on defense exactly and if any if you know that nurse wants people to play defense then you're gonna lock in because you want minutes as a rookie right. so that that was just my thing that was my kind of argument to that so yeah and you know obviously the, the whole thing too is like it doesn't you don't you don't have to score 100 or allow under 100 you just have to win so if he's adding more on offense that he's taking away on defense you're going to be you're probably going to be OK. I, I want to skip ahead now to some of the guys later in the draft. Um, I'm curious, obviously, 15 at number 59 with a draft that that's that's this flat and wide open. Like, it seems like every guy not in the top 15 has like a 30 or 40 pick range that they could go in. Uh, but I'm wondering if there are any guys that you you've looked at as potential second round guys or undrafted guys. And you're like, you know what? That guy fits uh, with the Raptors or with Raptors 905 uh, and then longer term with the Raptors that could be in the mix at, at 59. Like guys who, you know, obviously some of these guys might end up getting picked in the 40s or whatever, uh, but like your ideal scenario for who's sitting there at 59 for Toronto. First, I want to say um, a lot of these guys I look at and I really like them. It's just there's always a swing skill that they have to hit for them to right. become NBA players. So Number one is uh, Yamadar. I really like him. I really hope he is at 59. He'd instantly be a fan favorite on the Raptors. He'd probably be stashed or just be – I'd rather just put him in the G League for one year because he's a super excited prospect. He plays, like, on the defensive end, he plays like Patrick Beverly, but he doesn't, like, scream and yell and stuff. He just does his job. Like, he'll, <laughs> he'll fluster you as a guard, but then he won't even say anything to, like – he won't talk shit. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. it's that's I feel like people would love that, and then on off offensively he's pretty good like he has a he has a nice handle he's pretty flashy uh, does like 
uh, a, th- a pass that popped to me is like he got uh, like he hesitated past a guy and like um, threw a bounce pass between someone's legs for an assist. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> you know, like someone that plays that high on defense and has that flash on offense. It's just like, how can you not love, love this guy? And he has some nice dribble combinations that he can get into a pull up. Um, the shooting has to has to be good for him to be an actual NBA player. But I would love him as like, if you draft like a wing or a big in the first round, and then you take Yamadar and the um, like at fifty nine. I feel like he could be a very good backup guard because we're kind of starving for like a bench creator. Like mm-hmm. we're having Patrick McCaw and Stanley Johnson be like on the ball and that's not good for a playoff team so we need uh, someone he, he's off to he's off to a nice start in his uh season over in israel as well he scored 26 points over the uh his first two games and shot three of seven on threes so maybe the shot is coming along the tiniest of tiny samples but uh progress anyway and he's only 19 still yeah he's very young so i'm saying like you you bring him to Geely for a year uh develop his body too because he is skinny and I think he could be a he could be a meaningful backup guard in the NBA if the shot is like passable. Uh, looking at some some wing or forward types, I, I know that this uh, this comparison, like statistically and from what school they go they go to and stuff, like maybe it's a little forced. Uh, but a guy when I do so so part of the way I try to determine who I'm going to do my draft profiles on and stuff is like I'll throw some statistical like I'll download all the basketball reference data and I'll throw some filters on it and just see who jumps out in a couple different ways. And one guy who kept jumping out this year in similar ways to um, Pascal Siakam is Lamine Genet. Uh, obviously, you know not the the highest of power conferences, but big, big numbers, um, good, good size for for a forward. Uh, do you see anything there with him? Yeah, I would love him at fifty nine as well. I was actually going to mention him. Um, yeah, not people are going to make that comparison, but like <laughs> he's not the creator that Pascal is. No, at all, right? He like produces a lot. Like he has really crazy stats. So people are like, oh my god, this is this could be a very good player, but it's like, it's not NBA translatable. I do think right. he's very athletic and has um, some tools that he could be like a rim running big that um, d- does stuff like event creation, like I said, on both ends. And just a very good energy guy that I think could fit very well in the in the G League at first and then make his way to the NBA and be like a better version an actual taller version of Rondé. I feel like taller Rondé would actually be like a good solid NBA player. It's just, he's just six, five. So, you know, yeah. I mean, look, they got away with him basically being a center for long stretches this year. So if he would, if he were a little taller, that'd be, that'd be great. Cause you know, the, the tough thing is the, the rebounding when you go that way. And, but yeah, you look at a guy, Janae's size and he's six foot eight and, and um, you know, has uh, some activity level and stuff. And, and you know, I don't want to. I think people overstate the degree to which, like, having good centers isn't important anymore. But if the Raptors end up where they only have like one traditional center this year, you know, you look at some, or, or I guess moving forward is the better idea because Janae would probably need some real nine oh five time. Um, you know, those lineups with Siakam and Ananobi out there together. If you can get a third switchier piece like that, like Hollis Jefferson with those two when they were three four five was really effective. Uh, so that'd be cool to see. I, I know Janae has a way to go 
uh, defensively to to kind of profile like that. But um, he's a fun name. Any other fun ones you're you're looking at at fifty nine and, and hoping they slip? I didn't really watch watch a lot of players uh, like around the undrafted. Um, how do I say it? Those, right, you get yeah. You're you're a first round talent. You've <laughs> got to focus on the first round talent. You yeah. got to leave the Christian Vitals of uh, Vitals of the world uh, to to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say. I like Trent Forrest a lot too. He's like okay. he's from FSU, so you automatically know he's a, he's good on defense. Um, he's he's he gets to the rim a lot. He's like six four, six five, I'd say. A uh, pretty you know, pretty strong guard has a very nice floater. Uh, makes good decisions to me. He's like a good caretaker of the ball. Uh, just a bigger guard that I think could be a bench creator. The only flaw, like like. Like, with Yamadar, I think he could be a, a good shooter. I mean, like, an okay shooter. Like, I have a pretty uh, high – I think there's a high chance that that will happen. With Trent, it's like, I don't know. Like, you know, it's it's pretty bad. Like, his percentages are bad. I think they're, like, in the 20s. And he has some bad misses, like, horrible misses. So, if he actually – well, like, like it's weird because there's eight months, right? So – there's always gonna right. there's gonna be way more chance for unexpected development. So if he comes back with like a jump shot, I think he's a real NBA player, and I would take him and I would take a chance on him on the in the UFDA market because he's a bigger guy with those skills and he can play make as yeah. well. Um, and for anyone who's analytically inclined as well, um, friend of the podcast Jacob Goldstein, who um, previously of wins added, he just announced today that he got hired by the the Washington Wizards organization to work with the Wizards and Mystics at Capital City GoGo. So congratulations to him. Uh, but among guys who project to go uh, undrafted by most mock drafts, uh, Forrest is near the top in Jacob's uh, mod, like PIPM based model that that looks at guys potential upside. So, um, a statistical, we, we know the Raptors organization, you know, they don't live by the, the analytics or anything like that, but, but they're, you know, it's certainly an area they look at and, and Forrest could float toward the top of a list like that. Um, Robel, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but, uh, I, I'm going to ask you, this doesn't have to be specific to the Raptors. This could just be anyone at all in the draft who is, um, the biggest sleeper or the guy that you think is the most undervalued in this draft that a couple years from now, you're going to be able to be like, see, I told you I was right on this guy. Uh, I would say I, I'm going to take a stats. I'd say Josh green. Okay. So, I mean, I'm not like, he's not like an undrafted guy. Like people would probably thought I was going to say, um, <laughs> but I think a lot of people are overthinking him. So, People don't even really believe in the spot of shooting, uh, but I feel he shot thirty six percent. I know he didn't shoot a lot of like a lot of volume, but it's gonna come. Like I don't think volume shooting if you already have solid percentages and believe in your jumper, jumper. It's you know you could just ask him to shoot more honestly, um, <laughs> and I don't like you know I just believe that he's gonna be a good spot of shooter. I don't think that should be questioned, and then. Yeah, the finishing is bad. Like, he has no left hand at all. Um, but he's very athletic, especially in the front court. He's a good passer at 6'6". So that – like, he he's going to he's gonna get some closeouts because I do think he's going to be a good shooter. And then he's super athletic, so he's super fast too. So he's going to get to close out, draw another defender, and make an amazing read. So I feel like that's how he's going to get his offensive value. Um, good rebounder. He's like – 
he's like a how do I say a jack of all trades type of guy. Yeah, I believe that shot. And then we get to the defensive end, and that's what people don't really talk about how he's one of the best like point of attack defenders in this draft. Like it's like Okoro, and then who else? Like who? What other wing perimeter defender is there that's better than um thing? Like Vassell is like more of an off ball guy, so. Josh, Josh Green could really like pester ones, twos, and threes. So I feel like that's very valuable, very good team defender as well, uh, a defensive playmaker there. And then in, when he goes in transition, that's where like, that's where the special comes. So I mean, well, if you if if that sold you guys, uh, Green is mocked to go in the early to mid twenties on most mocks. Uh, so that's the guy I guess that you're crossing your finger. One of the guys anyway that you're crossing your fingers for. Uh, potentially sliding a little more than expected to 29. Uh, I guess conceivably the Raptors could move up too, but the draft is flat enough that at 29, you're probably going to get a a guy you like still. Uh, I wanted your take on one more guy who it feels like he's slid a little bit, at least in terms of buzz. Uh, I know I said I'd let you go shortly, Uh, but Teo, if Teo falls, is is he a guy you like? Yeah, I would like him. Not super excited because he just, that type of play style I don't love. Yeah. very conservative um like you know that classic european i'm always gonna make the right decision type of stuff it's not something I, I i like that much but he's he's a bigger guard i like that um he's he's gonna be a good shooting prospect if like i mean you know i just I, I, he just looks like a good uh shooting prospect from pull-ups uh, off movement and then he if he just if he just um makes riskier decisions i feel like he can be unlocked as like a real playmaker he's already a good passer i just feel like he could be uh more assertive with it and be like more manipulative and stuff but mm-hmm. i think all around he's like a solid guard i would like him at 59 i would like so i would like grab really before him but okay. after that i would say theo like theo and malika like i said before in that tier like those those both of those guys are in that tier to me yeah, you mentioned the lack of you know mistakes, and that's something that I think gets gets forgotten sometimes. Is that mistakes aren't always a bad thing for a guard prospect. You want guys taking risks and figuring out uh, exactly just how far they they can push their game and how creative they can get. Uh, Robel, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. It was fun. And uh, you guys can check Robel's workout at Sub Me In Coach, his YouTube channel where he does some great draft breakdowns, uh, Raptors Republic where he's done some Raptors specific work, and then uh, a must follow in draft season at Robeltussin, which is uh, one of my favorite handles, man. That's a that's an excellent Twitter handle. <laughs> one day I'll tell the story. That it's a very fun story how I got that. How I got that. <laughs> All right, man. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this and enjoy the draft next week. Yeah, you too, man. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.